For our scripture reading, we turn to Matthew chapter 21. The text consists of verses 28 to 32. I will not reread that. We take note in the context. Some of the we'll make a reference to some things in the context that are related to what we read in the in the parables. We begin at verse 12. Matthew 21, starting at verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged, and he lodged there. And in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests, and elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye will tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And then the next Five verses out of the text, although we'll continue on into the rest of the chapter. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, 
Go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. For the publicans and harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude, because they took him for a prophet. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this afternoon. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, to the instruction that we give to our children, we are called to teach them the gospel, to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ, to explain to them what their baptism signifies, to teach them about the covenant, the unconditional covenant of grace. How their salvation is all of grace and how they are to show forth in their in their thankfulness in their life their their thankfulness to God including in that instruction is instruction about repentance you know if you ask children about repentance and if you ask what does it mean to repent 
There's many stories like this one where you read of repentance. What does it mean to repent? Sometimes an answer that you might get is, well, it means that you to say you're sorry. Well, that's true. Though somebody that's repentant is going to say they're sorry. Uh, what else would it mean? Well, it means that you confess your sin. Well, that's right. Somebody that is truly repentant will confess their sins. They won't deny it. They'll confess their sins with sorrow, and they'll ask for forgiveness. Can you think of anything else that would show forth repentance? Well, it may be that at that point they don't exactly know what else to say besides that. But if you now put it to a question to the child and say, now let's say in your life that somebody was being cruel to you every day. Pretty much every day when you'd see them, they'd make fun of you or they'd treat you badly in one way or another. And let's say at one point they came up and they said that they were sorry. Now how would they show you that they were sorry? Well then, when they put it that way, then they think, well, they, he, he stopped doing it. He stopped making fun of them. And indeed, that's the idea. That not simply that we say in words, although it is quite important that we do say it in words, that we do say the words that we're sorry when we have sinned against someone, and that we do confess our sin with sorrow and not deny them. But then it's also important for us to show that in our life that we turn that we turn from the sin and we see in this parable that there are those that will hear what the word is what they what god says and as in the parable i go sir they don't really do it they say so and so if you just looked at it from the viewpoint of what they said yeah he said he was going to he was going to go or he said he wasn't going to do it anymore. He said he was sorry. But then when you look after that to see what happens, you don't see it. And how important it is for us to show genuine repentance that shows it in our life in the, that we turn from it. And that we fight against our threefold enemy. There's examples given here of those that said no at first. But afterward, they repented. And we know there's a reference here to the publicans and publicans and harlots that later repented. But we can apply that also to ourselves. Sometimes we hear the word, and well, we recognize we really don't want to do what the word says. But God works in us by his grace to turn from that sin to God. We hear the gospel, the good news of the gospel, as was proclaimed by John the Baptist, as was taught by Jesus Christ, and by the grace of God, God works in us and in our children to turn from sin unto 
God. We consider this parable under the theme, the parable of the two sons. We look first of all at some instruction about the parable itself and what it taught and some things about the context. Then a few comments about repentance and then also about the teacher, looking at Christ as the teacher and then also the fact that Christ's voice speaks through those whom he has put in positions of, of authority. First of all, the parable. In the parable, we read of the two sons. It's another parable with two sons. It's kind of like the prodigal son. You have a parable with the two sons. Well, in this parable also, we have a parable where there are these, these two sons. The first one says, when the, the father says to him, go, he says he won't. He says, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And the repentance is shown in that he went. He not only said to his father, sorry, I didn't go. But then he went. He did the will of his father. He had said no at first. But then by the grace of God, he, he turns. Now the example that's given, of course, is Jesus points out that there were those that were publicans that were doing things. Publicans are tax collectors, and there were those tax collectors that were doing what they ought not. And there were those that were prostitutes, harlots, were walking in sin, who later repented and turned from their sin. And the Bible gives us examples of that. We have examples of those that turned from their sin to God, that had been walking in, you know, living a life where they'd been walking in sin, and then in sorrow, they turned from their sin unto God and are comforted with the truth that they're forgiven. There are others that say, I go, the way it's referred to, I go, sir, that word translated, sir, it has that idea of Lord, and yet, even though they say that, they don't, actually, they don't actually go. So they say one thing, but they don't, they don't do it. Uh, earlier, uh, we read, in, or rather two chapters later in the book of Matthew, Jesus said about the scribes and the Pharisees, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. That was Matthew 23, verse 3. Don't do after their works, for they say and they do not. Of course, there's many examples of that in the scriptures, the idea of people that would say things with their mouth or worship with their mouth, but they really do not, they really do not turn. Now, in this parable, of course, both, both of them did what they weren't supposed to do. I mean, it was also the case that the ones who heard the father say, you know, go work in the vineyard, and they said, no. Well, of course, that was sinful that they said no. They should have obeyed right away, 
They shouldn't have refused for a while. They should have right away obeyed. Yet, they eventually did. By the grace of God, they eventually do. But the others, though they make an outward show, they don't, they don't turn at all. They don't ever do what the Father tells them to do. And it's interesting to see in this parable how that they, the answer, which one did the will of the Father, is easy to answer. I mean, a child could easily answer this. Which one, which one does it? Well, obviously the first. It's very clear, as with a number of other places, where it's clear as to what the answer is. And then in the, you know, afterwards we read of another parable. And then the people give an answer when he asks, you know, what's, what's going to happen to those husbandmen? Uh, he will destroy those husbandmen and so on. It's easy to see the answer, which one did the will of his father. It's easy to find fault when you see a story. It's easy to look at it and say, those are at fault. The ones that say and they don't do, those are the ones. They didn't do their father's will. Or you think of like King David when David Nathan the prophet came to him. And then King David quickly spoke against the wickedness of what that man had done. And then he hears, thou art the man. Feel convicted. When we recognize and when we apply, apply it to ourselves, it's easy to find fault with others for saying something and not doing it, and how important it is for us to see that in ourselves. Now, in the context, we take note that this driving of those that bought and sold out of the temple, that, that had happened before. We read about it in John chapter 2. We read at the be toward the beginning of uh, the public ministry, we read of Jesus uh, finding in the temple, John 2, verse 14, he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves. And we read of him uh, making this scourge of small cords, and he drove them out. And he poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And then they come and ask him, What sign showest thou, seeing that thou doest these things? So that was John chapter 2. Now here in Matthew 21, we read of Jesus doing it again, which indicates they had not been turning. So you see how that applies. They're not turning. And again, they're, they're coming to Jesus. By what authority do you do this? And they're asking him that question. By what authority do you do these things? They hadn't really turned from their sin. And in the connection, Jesus mentions, when they ask him that question, he turns it around and asks them a question and speaks about baptism and speaks about the teaching of John the Baptist. 
Jesus, or John the Baptist, rather, preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And it's good for us to take note, what kind of things did John the Baptist say? Jesus says he came in the way of righteousness. It says about John, looking in the parable now, he says after he says the, the, the parable, then it says, uh, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness. He was sent by God. He was a faithful servant, a sinner, saved by grace, but he was a faithful servant. He spoke the truth. He pointed out the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I baptize with water, but one mightier than I, he directed them to the Messiah, even pointed out Jesus as the Messiah. He spoke about the cleansing, the promised cleansing, signified by baptism. And he called the people to repent. And there were those that heard about that. They heard about the coming of the Messiah. They heard about the cleansing from sin, the work of the Spirit. And there are those that with sorrow came and confessed their sins and were baptized. And there, was, and there were those that didn't. We read of that in, in Luke chapter 7. It speaks of that. Luke chapter 7, Jesus talks about John the Baptist and says, Of those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers, they rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Now you see how that goes with what we read of here. There were those that heard what John said and who, and who believed and who turned including some publicans, including some, some harlots. There were those that turned. Similarly, when Jesus was preaching, there were those that came to Jesus with sorrow. You think of examples of that. A woman that knows she's been forgiven much. And she comes and she's wiping Jesus' feet. Think of a woman that wipes his feet with, his, with her tears and uses her hair. There were those that knew they had grievously sinned and they were sorry. And now they were going forth in their life showing it in a life of gratitude that they were thankful for forgiveness. But there were those that taught the word of God and that said that they were ones that were concerned about doing what God says. And yet in their life, they were not actually doing it. 
And certainly there's instruction here then about the whole subject of, of repentance. There's instruction here about the, you know, a hypocritical repentance, a repentance that isn't, that isn't genuine. Sometimes there can be a repentance where a person says, I'm sorry. Sometimes a person will say they're sorry repeatedly. But then they don't turn from it. Now, on the one hand, we're all sinners. And someone might say, well, we're all sinners. So we all constantly are apologizing to one another. And that is true that though we continue to fight against our sinful nature, our threefold enemy, that we're all sinners and we're all going to sin against one another and there's going to be times when we come to one another and say that we're sorry, that we say things that aren't kind, that we're not patient the way we should be, and we confess our sins to one another. Yet there's also sins that one should not be doing at all. And they're continuing to do things. Like the example I gave with regard to the children of somebody just blatantly mocking a classmate, for example. Well, there's many other examples. Fornication, just blatantly fornicating or just blatantly getting drunk or using God's name in vain or just blatantly stealing or blatantly lying. And you can give other examples. Blatantly mistreating somebody, maybe somebody in one's own family. Continuing to mistreat someone. And then when it's pointed out, perhaps saying, I'm sorry, but not really turning, not showing it. And then perhaps saying, well, I said I was sorry. And then again, well, I said I was sorry. But the question is, is it shown in, in, in one's life? Or perhaps being short on the apology and then long on trying to find fault with others and shifting blame. That's another characteristic. And we can all see that in ourselves. We can think of blatant examples of that that perhaps we've seen, but we all can see the same in ourselves. That there may be times when we recognize we have sinned and we say, I have sinned and I'm sorry, and we confess it. But no sooner do we confess it then we go at length about what others are doing that was wrong, perhaps how we were provoked or whatever it may have been. Whatever reason we may have given, we find fault with what others are doing. And then we show that we, as we spend very little time talking about our own sin, and we're very general about our own sin, perhaps, and not very specific about what we're sorry for, just kind of in general give an apology But then at great length, we talk about what others are doing that is wrong. And if anybody talks about our own sin, we say, well, I did say I was sorry. It's important for us to show in our life what we say with our words. And that we confess our sins with some detail. When we have said specific things we shouldn't say, that we not only say I'm sorry for everything and kind of in general, but that we say sorry for specific things that we have said that have been hurtful. And then we show 
in our life afterwards that we have turned from that. Genuine repentance. We're called to believe what God says and then for that to be manifested in our life. Now, either one, any one of us can, when we hear something like this, on the one hand, we can think our mind can at first turn to some instances, whether today or in the past, where we can think of some blatant examples of somebody that would say one thing and do the other. But it is also important for us to recognize, in addition to that, and in addition to the importance of us pointing that out to others when that is the case, it's also important for us in our own life. All we have to do is say, have there been things that have been pointed out to me, that have been pointed out to you? Perhaps more than one time that come to your mind, that come to my mind. And that we're aware of the fact when we hear it, we think, yeah, that, that comes up again. And I know I've heard that before, and I recognize in the providence of God I'm being told that again. Well, we need to turn. Perhaps we even talked about how we're going to be striving better at this or that, and then the question is, has that been evident? in my life or yours. Both from the point of view of say something that you and I should be doing and somebody points out that we're not really doing. Or from the point of view of there's something that we're not supposed to do and we keep doing it. Either way. That it's important for us to really be turning. And so that we hear this word of God addressed to us personally and addressed to those who are applying it to parenting, addressed to the parents because to teach children to turn, how important it is that we be examples of one that are believing the word, hearing the gospel, hearing about Christ who is the way, Hearing about his, about God's mercy, about God's love, and believing the gospel, thankful for forgiveness and showing our, in a life of gratitude, living as one who is a repentant sinner, who shows we keep fighting our own sin, and that we're sorry for our sin. And that we show that in our own lives daily. The kingdom is opened to believers. Jesus said about the publicans and harlots, the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The king, the publicans and harlots going into the kingdom. Now that, of course, did not mean that they also, the, the impenitent, are also saved. It, certainly the scriptures make clear that the impenitent are not. 
but publicans and harlots going into the kingdom. You think of how in the preaching of the gospel we say the kingdom is opened to believers. The kingdom is open. It's declared, publicly testified to all who believe. The comforting news that their sins are washed away, that they're cleansed, what's signified by baptism. And that we, have, we are constantly comforted as God assures us that our sins are washed away. Christ has died for us. He has suffered in our place as our head. He takes away our sin. And he assures us of his love and that he will, he will continue to be with us and guide us and defend us. And the Spirit works in us faith to believe that gospel. We hear the gospel, the Spirit works in us faith. And we're comforted and as those who are thankful in our daily life, we're to show forth by constantly turning away from sin. And receiving, receiving others that are repentant. You know, it was important for people to receive publicans. One of the disciples was a publican, Matthew. He was a publican. Elsewhere we read of Zacchaeus. He was a publican. Somebody like a harlot. Rahab was a harlot. When somebody has committed various sins, whether in the form of stealing or whether in the form of sexual kinds of sins or whatever the kind of sin may be, when somebody is repentant, really repentant of their sin, well, we are to receive them. And we are to be thankful to God that God has granted them repentance and we confess, as the saints did in the past, that repentance is a gift of God. We say God has granted them repentance, and we praise, we praise God. And we're thankful to God. And then we're to show that by receiving those that are repentant, those that are sorry. And indeed, God's people testified to that too. Not only if a sin is, you know, more broadly known and then we've confessed it and people know that we're sorry, even sins that aren't known by very many people, but that we, the ones that have known that we've gone to them and we've apologized and they can see in our life afterwards that we really are sorry. We didn't just say it. No, we really are sorry for what we did. We are sorry for what we said. And we're showing it and now striving to do the opposite of what we said before. So that instead of like putting somebody down and making fun of them, we're promoting their honor. Like in, in, in school, if, some, if a child could see that now he's, he's speaking well of me. So not only that he has stopped making fun of me, but now he's speaking well of me and he's being kind to me. He really is. He really has turned. He's not just saying it. And when we see that in one another, 
By the grace of God, we do receive one another. People that have had sins that have been known by quite a few have been always struck, so often have said how struck they were of how God's people received them. We're all sinners. Some sins may be more known than others, but we have all sinned. We all deserve everlasting punishment. So that if any one of us looks at it from the viewpoint of, well, what do I deserve? That we confess that we deserve to be punished everlastingly. And that Christ suffered the agonies of hell for me. And thankful for that I'm forgiven. Thankful for the for, that God's people are forgiven. That we're to receive others who are repentant and give glory to God. Now this truth concerning repentance is an important part of the instruction that we're to give. We're to be turning from our sins ourselves and then we're also to be giving instruction about repentance and how repentance shows itself. Jesus, the teacher, is giving instruction on repentance here. The one who gives this instruction is Christ himself. He is our chief prophet and teacher. And he not only gives the instruction, but he also then is an example. He not only tells us, do the will of the Father, but then he also says, follow me. That he did the will of the Father. He was obedient even unto death, even the accursed death. That he, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. John the Baptist, God spoke through John the Baptist, and to reject what John the Baptist said was to reject God who sent him. And similarly today, to reject those through whom God speaks is to reject the God who, who sent them. There's an, you know, an, an illustration of that in parenting. You know, sometimes a parent will say to one child, go tell your brother or sister to do something. So they run and they, they go down and they tell brother or sister, mom said, dad said, and they say no. Child comes back, he said no, he said he wasn't going to do it. He said, really? He said no? You told him that I said it? Yeah. Yeah, I told him you said so. He said no. And then you go and talk to the child and say, now I sent them to tell you that I said that. When you say no, you're saying no to me. And God has put the parents in a position of authority. And the children are called to obey. And to be submissive. And we recognize that too in our, in our own life, that to reject the one that, that God has sent, you know, is to reject God, God himself. And parents are called in the giving of the instruction about repentance, central it is to constantly be bringing forth the gospel. 
When it talks about John the Baptist and them not listening to John the Baptist and that others did believe, it's key to remember that John the Baptist did not just say, repent. He certainly did say repent. And he certainly did talk about the judgment of God that came upon the impenitent. He stressed that. That he talked about what's going to happen to those that reject the word and refuse to turn from their sin. He called the people to repent. He preached a baptism of repentance. But we have to connect that with what he said about Christ. That he preached the gospel. He preached about Jesus Christ who cleanses from sin. And he even pointed him out. And when we say, what are we supposed to preach? It mentions in our canons the promise of the gospel is that whosoever believeth in Christ crucified shall not perish but have everlasting life. This promise together with the command to repent and believe ought to be declared and published to all nations and to all persons promiscuously and so on. So what does it say we proclaim? That those who believe in Christ crucified, they, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That promise, along with the command to repent and believe, bringing out the importance of us constantly bringing out the promise of God, the unconditional promise of God, and we explain that, and it's very important that we do, that we continue to explain to them, now, it's only the believers that are saved, but how do you get saved? It's totally a gift. Christ purchased it for you. Does he just give you the power to be, believe? No, he works in us the believing itself. It's completely a gift. He infuses it into us, and that's correct. So that we speak about the calling to repent. We speak about the command to repent and believe. We keep bringing the truth of the gospel. Now there will be those, like it was with the square, it wasn't just the religious leaders, of course, that many of them rejected what Jesus said. There were others too, that though they heard what Jesus said, they rejected him. They didn't believe. They even cried out, crucify him. And it will be the case still today that with regard, if you look at the, the instruction given to all the covenant children, there will be those that, that don't repent. Even though the instruction was given, even though repentance was explained to them, even though it was pointed out when they weren't repenting, even when it was talked to them about how they should out of thankfulness that they they didn't, they didn't turn. But we also do see, we also do see the blessing of God in our generation. And we're to be thankful to God for that. We are to give thanks to God. And we're to talk to our children about the cleansing blood of Christ. 
how he died for us and for our children. And that out of thankfulness, we are to fight. And it's an ongoing battle. And it's a difficult struggle. And we all are struggling against our sinful natures. And the devil and his host, and this ungodly world that keeps tempting us. And may we together look to God for grace. And that we teach our children that we need to together look to God for grace. And that we chasten our children in love. And we pray for them. That we comfort them. And that we show our children that we esteem them. That we esteem them. That they are precious to us. May we together encourage one another. May we and our children turn unto the Lord and glorify and praise his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we're very thankful, O Lord, for thy grace. We are thankful for thy mercy shown to us and to our children. We're so thankful that thou dost forgive us. Grant that we and our children together may fight the manfully fight against sin and Satan, even as we read on this day. That it will be an ongoing struggle, and we desire, O Lord, in our life to show our thankfulness. We're thankful that thou dost cleanse us. We're thankful for the good news of the gospel of grace. Forgive our sins, cleanse us of unrighteousness, and bless us and all thy church for Christ's sake. Amen.